audience, welcome to International Writers Stage and when, welcome to this temporary and intimate and rather wonderful venue, Under Fontänen, because across the square, that big ocean of a cultural centre and, and city theatre is in, in what, what should we call it, heavy renovation, but it will reopen next fall, hopefully in mid-September. But I quite like this place, so... My name is Sigmar Fast and I'm Artistic Director of the Literary Stage, or of Literary Events, rather, at Kulturhuset Stadsteatern. And uh, I have to admit that I have a certain affinity for the rather handy capitals of the world. And although I also have to admit that I, I don't think about this particular capital on a daily basis, still, after having visited Ljubljana twice, I do long back. And I think about that particular city more than once, at least every month, because it was so long ago since I visited Ljubljana, and still, why, why am I not returning? Heaven knows. But this evening... This evening, a slice of that atmospheric city brimming with life and so influenced by the architect, and how do I pronounce his name? Georges, thank you. Plesnik is gracing our stage. A slice? Well, he's more than that. He's an utterly renowned writer and film director. And in fact, he visited the Cultural Center, Kulturhuset, in 2013. And then he was presenting his fabulous debut novel with a Swedish title, Blatte Jävlar. So that was quite a few years ago. And Blatte Jävlar was translated by Sophie Schöld. And this time he's accompanied by his latest novel, published by the very same exquisite publishing house based in Malmö, Ramos. And this time translated by Christine Bredenkamp. And she's here with us tonight. And she truly deserves an applause for her achievement. <laughs> the title of this, the latest novel, is Under Fikontrödet, the Swedish title. And actually, the other day, I phoned a florist. And uh, I humbly requested a fig tree to, <laughs> to place on this... Well, rather stylish, but bare setting. But the answer was very swift. No, no, no. This is certainly not fig tree season in Sweden. So that's about that. But who cares when uh, the writer himself is waiting in the wings. And this evening you meet him in conversation with his Swedish colleague, Andreas Norman. So please welcome the one and only... From Slovenia, Goran Vojnovic, accompanied by Mr. Norman. All right. Uh, we already started our discussion, went deep into Balkans and politics, started out with Slavoj Šišik backstage. <laughs> it's... Um, it's really nice to, to be here with you, Goran, and uh, it's been a delight to, to read your books. I read all of them, just to be sure, to, to know what it's all about. And uh, your latest book, Figa, is... Uh, I, I see that you, you sort of started out with Chefurje Raus, Blatte Jävlar, 
And then you, you, you wrote uh, Yugoslavia Moja Dejela, uh, Yugoslavia Mjotemlan. Now you sort of increase the thickness of the book, so I expect the next book should be like more like this. Like, but I don't know, we will talk about later what, you, what you're up to. Well, good evening. Yeah. Um, well, if you asked me that question a few years ago, I would say, yes, probably my next book will be even <laughs> thicker, but then I got kids. <laughs> so now I'm thinking yeah. more of going back to this short stories. Short um, stories. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Essays. <laughs> yeah. You, you're writing chronicles for, for uh, one of the major newspapers in, in Slovenia as well. So you've been very productive. And I can also mention, and we'll come back to that later on perhaps, uh, that you're also a filmmaker and director and, and scriptwriter. Yes, actually, my I started, I was studying filmmaking. I was, film was actually my media when I was growing up. Uh, not so much books. I somehow, I don't know why, but there was a period where I almost didn't read anything uh, for a few years. Uh, books were just not cool. Um, so I studied film and uh, ended up in literature, and, uh, but still I'm doing films. Uh, so I'm currently finishing my new film and then I plan to go back to literature which is more like a family-friendly business uh, than film which is really... Uh, it's adventurous but it's also very crazy and stressful and, uh, and, and fun but... Yeah. What was the reason for you to, 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 to go into uh, to literature, just to start writing a book. I mean, being seeing literature as uncool. Or well, <laughs> I changed my opinion. Oh. <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, in some point, yeah. Point. Um, but yeah, I, I was actually. It was a coincidence, I would say. It's. Um, I started when I thought about the story of my first novel. I I first thought about it as a film. Uh, I also wrote a first version of the script, but um, I just graduated back then, and um, I thought about it, and I was, wasn't really sure that I will get the money for it. And, and that was a point when I was just left without a job. I quit one job, and I was waiting for another, and I had a lot of free time. And then my wife said to me, look, everybody's writing about immigrants. You have like, uh, you have these stories about Pakistan, Pakistan, people from Pakistan living in, in UK, people from Turkey living in, in Germany. Um, but you don't have stories about Bosnians living in Slovenia. And I said, well, you don't. Uh, maybe there will be a film once. I'm thinking about a film, and I said, oh, but no, I'm thinking, why novels? You should write a novel, and I said, what? Mm. But it was a bug, actually. Um, it was a bug, I, was, I kept thinking about it, and, and, but I, I didn't think of myself as a writer, so it wasn't like just, okay, let's write a novel. It was just, mm. okay, I have a story, I have some free time, I don't have anything else to do, um, 
I already choose the career which brings no money, so I have nothing to lose. <laughs> um, so, day after day, as I was thinking about it, going back, but it was only I think, until I got an idea that I could write this story in a language that we spoke as kids, which is sort of a slang, which is sort of a mixture of languages, that I heard my character and I, I could imagine this story being a novel. Mm. So it was at the end, it was actually, it was my actually wish to write this language down. It was, because this, this language is, is changing all the time. It's almost disappeared uh, now because my generation was speaking this mixing Slovenian, Ljubljana slang with a lot of expressions um, and words from Serbo-Croatian language. And it was really, it was, for us it was very funny, this language, and it was really special. It's good. And, uh, and it's basic, basically I think I would never write a novel if it wasn't for my wish to put this language that I spoke for years in on paper mm. for because we bit, I talked sometimes with my friends so this language will disappear everybody will forget it and it's so funny and it's so cool um, so it, that's why I say it's coincidence but um, then of course my book um, unexpectedly become a bestseller in Slovenia yeah we make a we made a theater play out of it. I got some awards, and suddenly everybody was talking about me as an uh, like an, as a writer. Yeah. So, well, I think uh, I mean if we stay with Chifuri uh, Raus, it it really captured uh, something. I, I mean, it gave voice to to a population and 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 you say, uh, say a, la a language that that wasn't literary really. That wasn't considered like a part of literature. And people, I mean, you say you captured catched uh, uh, or captured the, the, the language, but you also, in many ways, uh, sort of grasped the energy and the, the rage that, 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 that is uh, a sentiment in, in this, yeah. this marginalized population, right? Well, I must say that it was probably this rage and everything was already in a language. When I, because I wrote an, a, a, a novel constantly imagining that somebody is saying this story to his friend, that my main character, uh, who was 17 years old, mm. is saying this story to a bunch of his friends on a, in front of his building. And um, I was constantly, just tried to hear him mm. saying this. Uh, and uh, probably part of that range is inside the language already it's yeah. it's just um, i was i i often thought of me as sort of a an actor who is like going into the character and mm. speaking with his own language and yeah. uh, maybe you can just tell the the audience that the the, the main the protagonist of 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 Chifuri Jiraus or Blatte Jävel Jävlar uh, is um, Marco right he's yes. uh, 17 he's a he's a typical guy from this this uh, hood basically yeah. in outside Slu uh, Ljubljana right yes he's he's not he ha he's opinionated yeah <laughs> he's he he 
has a problem with the world, let's say. Yeah. Um, he's a uh, he's very talented basketball player, but he stopped uh, um, playing basketball after the, the con after the conflict with his coach, and now he basically he lost the only part of his identity that was not Chefur identity. Mm -hmm. So um, I was I wanted to tell the story about these people who are actually trapped in this Chefur identity. They are trapped in this immigrant identity. Maybe you could explain what Chefur Chefur is actually uh, the, the it's, um, how people that are coming from uh, Croatia, Bosnia, Serbia are called in Slovenia. Mm. Um, also the, their children. And uh, so in there was a time when I was called Chefur uh, because my parents are my mother came from Croatia and my father is from Bosnia. And we were sort of non-Slovenians. That was the nice expression for us. But the ugly expression was Chefurs. Yeah, I mean, it's a, it's a racist slur to say Chefurji Raus. Yeah. I mean, you, you understand the, the That's basic. That was the graffiti, which, which was yeah. very popular, in, especially in the 90s, when you have, mm. have this whole nationalism very really, uh, present. Um, so yeah, this, um, for me, I, I was always able to find, I was able to be Chefur, but al I was always something else also. I was playing basketball and then I, I was quite good at school. Um, so, and then later I started film, so I became a yeah. filmmaker, yeah. as I was like. Um, so I, I was always able to escape this Chefur identity, but uh, at the same time, I, I was I was surrounded by kids who were nothing but Chefurs, and and I can see how big burden that was for them, how how big problems they had because they they were it's like just being an immigrant. You're not a per you're not a real person. You're not uh, you're nothing actually, mm -hmm. but just the fact that you are non-Slovenian. Mm -hmm. So. And that's that's why I created this character, which is which has a chance to be something else than Chafur, mm. but he throws the chance away, and he ends up with his friends with the same problem. And mm. and be, because my life, of course, uh, had a lot of these um, similarities to the life of my character, but because I was always able to. Uh, to get away from, yeah, you empower him in in a way. I yeah. mean, uh, I mean, if you just uh, describe the structure of the book, it's like you you have these titles like "Why I'm so fucking fed up with Slovenia," and then comes like explanation of of this, and then it's like why this is fucked up and why this is like should be erased or why I hate these people or what, you know, so, so you empower him, you give him the voice. And I, I mean, I guess also for you as a writer, you, you sort of, you wrote yourself out of a uh, too narrow identity uh, by creating this book and, and well, which turned yeah. into success. I had a privilege actually to be able to, to really feel with him, but mm -hmm. to be able at the same time <coughs> distance myself, because mm. that's what I did when uh, I went to high school and then to academy. I was able to distance myself from this world. I was able to look to this world from a uh, from another perspective. So I have these two 
two looks, I, I probably I didn't realize it at the time when I was writing the novel, but this was really the privilege why I could write in a such a way yeah. about this, uh, these people. Um, because they were really close to me, but then at the same time, I was a little bit different. Yeah. I, uh, I had another world. Yeah. that I belong to. And this yeah. wasn't my only world. And, 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 and so I was able to be funny about it. I was able to, to, to sort of also uh, not point out just to Slovenians mm. um, and say you're like mm. racist, mm. you're like mm. uh, this and that. But I could also point how these prejudices going, yeah. are going both ways. Yeah, I feel you strongly sort of yeah. deconstructed the relationship. I can strongly recommend the book. It's funny and it's, uh, I mean, it's, it's vulgar in the, in the best <laughs> way. It's, it's kind of short. Uh, and uh, it's, it's, it's uh, ironic, very ironic and, and intelligent sort of way of dealing with, with uh, this... Uh, this voice, basically, of, of being uh, uh, Chifur. Um, but then when you moved on and, and you started writing more about, uh, I would say, if I sort of try to sum it up, you, you moved into trying to understand more Yugoslavia in relation to the present. In, in Yugoslavia, Moja Dejela, uh, which is uh, Yugoslavian Mithemland, the, the second novel, you, you uh, write about a a father, a high-ranking military who who disappears and presumed dead, and then 12 years sort of reappear, and it it it's, it, it turns out that he has been hiding in hiding after the war, and he's a wanted war criminal, uh, wanted by by the Hague, um, and so 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 memories uh has to be reconstructed and 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 question has to be be, be raised and and this is similar with with in in figa i, I see this theme under fi contradet the the latest novel there is this granddad who alexander who who has died and he his death sets in motion a whole train of of memories that unlocks also secrets in the family and 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 un, unanswered Questions such as why did uh, uh, the father of the main character Yadran is the main character and his father? Uh, why did he disappear uh, all of a sudden? And uh, and also makes Yadran, who is the narrator, think about his granddad, uh, recently deceased granddad, and also think about his relationship with his girlfriend, why she's going away, coming back. Uh, so it sets in motion both things that happened long time ago and now in the present. So, uh, what, what what was the? I mean, memories are very all of a sudden very a very central theme. I would say to your well, new writing. You said something. Uh, you said unanswered questions. Mm. I think that's the that's something. Uh, that's the heritage of the my of my childhood of living uh, let's say with Bosnian war and uh, dissolvement of Yugoslavia. This childhood left me with a lot of unanswered questions and i I see literature as uh, trying to get answers to the question that really don't mm. have a que answer. Yeah. Um, I think when you have an 
when you have an answer, uh, you don't write two, three, four hundred pages of literature. It's only when you have these questions inside your, yourself that you are that you say, okay, I don't understand this, so I want to write about this. I want to try to understand. Uh, I think I, I think as, uh, about writers as a people who are courageous enough to admit that we don't know some things, we don't understand some things, and now we are going to write a novel uh, and maybe come a little bit closer to understanding, mm. to some sort of knowledge, to, to, to some answer. Mm. Uh, so, yes, um, my... When I see my first two novels, actually, uh, I refer to them as, a, as two screams. Uh, because I was, in both, uh, in both cases, I was dealing with uh, topics that some sort define me as a person, and then, of course, as a writer as well. But as a person, what defines me was the, my, was the topic of my first novel, when growing up, in Slovenia, being non-Slovenian, being Chefur. And the second novel is about Yugoslav war and the disappearance of Yugoslavia. And that's the second topic that defined me. And, um, so basically it was mm. these two topics that I had to write about, yeah, that I have to get out of my system in a way. Mm. Um, it was, of course... I wasn't even aware that this wasn't my choice. This was only later I, d I saw that these two novels just had to be written for me to to start thinking as a writer. Okay, I have the, all these topics and now I will decide what to do with them. I don't think that my first novel, two novels was actually decisions. Okay, I now want to do... Um, novel about Yugoslavia wars because, I don't know, mm -hmm. um, it was just that there was something inside which just had to come out and uh, I was just trying to to find a way for it to come out in a certain way that it would interest somebody else, uh, that somebody else who is write, reading that would understand what I want to say. It was... Um, it you were uh, 10, 12, around that uh, age uh, yes. during the war. Yes, uh, uh, when the war started, I was like 11, uh, 12 years old. Yeah. Uh, Do you have any like? What What is your remembrances of of war? I mean, from a child's perspective or everyday perspective? Well, um, I was I. I was living in Slovenia, so I, I remember war from TV. Yeah. It was constantly, we switched between, between soap operas, American soap operas at the time, and TV, and news. At, um, and then, of course, we had a lot of uh, our family coming and staying as refugees in our apartment. So at one moment, there was, uh, for a, almost a year, eight people living in our small apartment. And also, after my family where it was gone, there was constantly people coming, um, staying with us for a few days and coming out. So the war was, of course, present, but of course, you you got used to it. Yeah, sure. Um, I remember myself um, trying to get connections to Bosnia. I would stay for hours 
getting the getting the 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 contact of these radio amateurs mm. uh, listening and i was i was really good at um working it out in a second if this is the moment or not or just redial again and mm. and i remember m myself being happy and proud when we finally got through to these radio amateurs just uh, learning that everybody is all right and everybody is uh, alive and so it's it's of course bizarre because at the same time you're growing up you're interested in playing football you're interested in meeting some girls you're <laughs> living very normal life and just coming home and you're watching the war and on news and um, and your father telling yeah everybody's still alive your grandparents are still alive mm -hmm. your aunt called they're all fine uh, but maybe your cousin is uh, will run away and he will come to live with us for a few days and then move on yeah so it was actually where I think about those periods the periods of war of course I remember the periods the period when we all stayed together with my mm. cousins and aunts mm. um, but otherwise I have basically memories of me playing basketball yeah. and uh, yeah. which also like school a, a difference between generations I, I'm, I, I'm sure I mean uh, for you basically it was a childhood interjected with with yeah. war yeah. a war almost as fiction and and uh, and and sometimes as, as a like f something really happening, people coming to you and telling you stories, living in your yeah. apartment. But uh, but then there is also the the old generation that that actually has to go through all the the horrible choices that 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 exists in war and and all the horrible experiences of of uh, of, uh, of war. Uh, in terms of being a soldier or or a refugee or displaced uh, as as uh, thousands may I mean these these generations uh, can they even talk to each other? No, well, it's very different. It's um, it's uh, I think uh, my generation. Um, of course, we have. I was on the edge of war, let's say, and I um, and. More, my my family was sort of a lucky ones. They were a lot of them had to move and uh, uh, leave their homes, but nobody died. Nobody went to war actually. Mm. Um, so I called my family uh, lucky ones. Uh, but um, what I think did for us, uh, for me at least, the war it separated the time. It's forever. It's forever there will be time before the war and time after the war um, there will be a world that was that st that somehow uh, um, exists in my mind of the world that I remember when I was a kid going to Bosnia visiting my grandparents my family and I will search for that world for years after the war. I will going back there and look for the pieces of that uh, crushed world. And uh, it will take a long time for me to realize that this, play, this world is completely gone. Mm. There are some people who survived, mm. a lot of people survived. Mm. There is a place, there is a house, but uh, for me to realize that this is just not the same 
uh, world that I actually lost mm. the world of my childhood uh, that is just gone and it's just um, some shadows of that world yeah. that is basically those shadows are keep disappearing yeah. Yeah. Uh, through time this is what basically brought me to my second and I think also third novel this yeah. uh, this looking for some connections between these two worlds uh, that yeah. I now have because also this this world before the uh, uh, disintegration and uh, of Yugoslavia and the war and the world that still exists there they are both sort of mind world but worlds and um, they are very important for yeah. me uh, and in, in Figa I get the sense that uh, I mean under Figa Contrera then the, the, the narrator and the main protagonist is sitting under this fig tree and trying basically to reassemble uh, history and, and his life through memories, like through fragments and through multiple stories, trying to sort it all out to get to get make sense, basically, yeah, of, of it all. Because you realize at one point that Yugoslavia, or whatever you call this world mm -hmm. of yours, is not there, and then you have to make your own mm. world from memories, from uh, um, from cultural uh, stuff, from uh, stories, from yeah. from language you speak, from stuff that are not material, uh, from r your relationship uh, to to a person. That you have to find this store, this world, and yet. You you can find it um, in Canada or in sure. uh, or wherever your the the people now live. That but they're only these are leftovers of yeah. this uh, yeah. shattered world. And uh, and uh, should we perhaps probably this books, mm. especially Figa, is actually my recreation one of the possible recreation of this world that it's now it's I, as i called it's my emotional geography it's not <laughs> it's not a real yeah when i say yugoslavia i don't mean socialistic federative republic of yugoslavia i don't refer to socialism or a communist party or nothing like that it's 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 because i don't remember that country what i remember when i was a kid is a our family gatherings, uh, the atmosphere that was there, the love that I was given from my relatives, uh, I don't know, some, some, um, some really um, unrealistic, uh, yeah. actually, uh, scenes. And, and uh, sort of from that, I'm trying to basically recreate one world which is missing because yeah. um, I know that I need some sort of a to have this uh, the world to be a part of me of course yeah as the yeah. years go by things happen to you it's less and less it's important but at one point it I, I had a feeling if I don't recreate this world inside of me I will be there will be like just this uh, shallow, not shallow, but uh, um, empty space. Yeah. And um, I will it's feel It's a beautiful this project also that, yeah. that uh, the retelling and the, 
the basically the, the literally the the reconstruction of a world through memories through language. Well, uh, I, I think uh, it was like reclaiming the <laughs> the land. I will put the flag. I said no. I there. This is mine, and I will call it Yugoslavia if I want, or I will call it different names. But it does exist. Uh, it's in just in very different shape, and uh, but it is still mine and it is very precious and I'm not allowing anybody to claim that it's not possible for this kind of, uh, of world to exist because I, I think that everybody needs this kind of space it's, um, uh, it's something that you have to especially in some parts of life like I think now when I'm getting older I have my kids it, I, it's a different I see that there are different uh, ways that you can like um, make your inner world uh, yeah. Uh, yeah but uh, but I think 10 15 years ago I really needed this kind of um, of uh, emotional uh, world and, uh, yeah. and saying this is who I am this is what makes me the, um, this is my spiritual yeah. uh, self. Should we get a taste from uh, uh, from the book? Where is Ingmar? Um, Ingmar is going to read um, a section from Figa on uh, the Contrast, so you all get a get a taste of of uh, the prose um, and uh, the thoughts. And you will practice your Swedish. Yes. <laughs> Kanske förmår vi inte förstå våra mor- och farföräldrar. Kanske utgör åren mellan oss ett oöverbryggbart avstånd som gör det omöjligt för oss att nå fram till den där skärpan som döljer sig bakom deras milda blickar. Kanske hade de gömt sig bakom den där mildheten redan långt innan vi kom till världen eftersom vi föddes för unga för att kunna förstå. Kanske kan vi inte förstå tiderna de lever eftersom vi inte varit med om frosten eller den tryckande sommarvärmen eller dimslöjorna från deras avlägsna förflutna. Kanske vill de helt enkelt inte höra talas om att vi också hunnit bli vuxna och glömmer att presentera sig med hela sin historia. Kanske. Mamma förklarade för mig att morfar hade förändrats med tiden att han också i hennes minne var en annan. Hon kanske visste vem man var, men jag hade bara hört historier och dragit mina egna slutsatser om vad för sorts man min morfar hade varit. Jag hade bara föreställt mig Alexander och Jana i unga år, när de var arga, när de skrattade. Jag kunde bara gissa vad de skrattade åt och hur de hade skrattat en gång i tiden. Det sägs att människan skrattar annorlunda när hon är ung. Det sägs att tiden kväver skrattet, dämpar det. Jag hade gärna velat känna deras oro. Vi människor är oroliga var och en på sitt vis. Och oro är det som avslöjar oss mest. Oron säger någonting om oss och därför hade jag gärna velat känna den. Men det kan jag inte. 
Innan jag lärde mig att tyda resterna av oron i deras ögon hade mormor och morfar redan lärt sig att dölja den och bandlysta den ur sina lena, rynkiga ansikten. Allt jag har kvar är historierna om deras rädslor och aningar. Och även om jag fått höra dem allihop från första till sista ordet visste jag ändå inte vem Jana var. Den Jana som i Boje omgärdad av främlingars skuggor, hade förvandlat ett främmande hus till sitt hem. Eller vem Alexander var, den Alexander som upprättade murar vid världens ände för att kunna låsa in sig innanför dem. För mig är deras historia bara ord. Ord som inte går att sammanföra med dessa båda människor som jag älskat så högt. Ibland tänker jag att det inte går att beskriva någon enda av oss med ord eftersom människans alfabet består av inandning och utandning. Och jag inte vet hur morfar andades när han berättade för mormor att han brutit sitt löfte i det där huset som tillhörde Donna Santa och gått med på att man skickade honom till Egypten i ett år. Jag vet inte hur hon andades när hon fick höra det. Jag kan bara föreställa mig deras ansikten som en läsare kan föreställa sig de litterära hjältarnas ansikten. Jag kan till och med föreställa mig deras tankar. Deras liv från födelse till död kan jag föreställa mig. Alla deras dagar kan jag föreställa mig. Men jag kan inte föreställa mig hur dana de verkligen var. Och fasten, jag vet att min föreställning av morfar och mormor kanske inte har minsta likhet med Jana Benedejcic och Alexander Djordjevic måste jag ändå föreställa mig dem. Jag måste än en gång återkalla alla deras ord. Jag måste återvända till minnena, både till mina och mammas. Jag måste hitta mormor och morfar där någonstans. För bara så kan jag hitta den människa som är i stånd att överlämna sig åt döden. Den människan vill jag lära känna. För morfar hade ingen anledning att vilja dö. Åtminstone inte den man som jag kände. Min morfar ville inte undfly livet. Men Alexander Djordjevic hade tagit sitt liv. Kanske hade han tagit sitt liv. Jag vet inte. Om han tagit sitt liv måste det någonstans bland minnena finnas ett spår som leder till självmördaren, till den människa som 87 år gammal öppnar den lilla bruna glasburken med de blodtryckssänkande tabletterna. Det är till den människan jag vill nå fram och blicka in i hans mörker. Jag ser det för mig som ett stort hål som slukar allt. Detta mörker är fullt av henne, av hjärna. Jag känner det. Detta mörker är fullt av mamma och Maja och kanske också av mig. Vi är alla där inne, även Safet och Dane. Kanske är mörkret det enda som förenar oss. Nu är detta mörker min morfar. Mörkret är jag och därför måste jag tränga in i det. Mina ögon måste vänja sig vid det så att jag kan urskilja konturerna där inne. Jag måste få känna Alexanders oro. Jag vet att det inte går, men jag har inget val. Jag måste få veta varför han valde döden, om han nu valde den. Jag måste närma mig mörkret, 
dyka in i det. Även om jag aldrig mer skulle komma upp till ytan. För att jag vet, det känner jag, att vi alla ligger gömda där inne. Och att vägen därigenom leder fram till allt. Att vägen därigenom leder mig fram till mig. Kanske är det där min hemvist finns. I mörkret. Yeah, it's a very beautiful passage of uh, of moving into the darkness of of the memories and and basically trying to to grasp what a person is uh, and what a self is. Uh, I'll let you read in, in a while. I, I mean, if if we if you want, uh, you can read now, or or you can read oh. in a couple of minutes as as you wish. Um, okay. Um, I I mean. Listening to, to, to this beautiful passage and also when I read your book, um, I get a strong sense of, of uh, nostalgia and, and uh, basically that, that there's, a, there's always a lost world that is sort of reconstructed, as you say. I, I'm just thinking today in Slovenia uh, is... Uh, uh, is is this um trying to remember things is is this uh, something that exists even at all in 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 society among young people or is it is, is it rather s- a thing that is suppressed memories of war mm. memories of yugoslavia well for years i think it was s- s- quite suppressed i would say um you always had sort of um, nostalgia for the Yugoslav period, but it wasn't like nostalgia uh, in um, Croatia, but especially in Bosnia, in Serbia, where it's connected to the present situation, which is much worse. In Slovenia, one got the feeling that it was more like a response towards like some far-right politics which were very anti-communist and was uh, presenting this period as the darkest period you can imagine. Um, So it was more like a provocation to of the people that were like celebrating Tito's birthday just to provoke the all the the other uh, their political opponents so um, you didn't, I didn't feel a lot of real nostalgia, uh, which is in a way obvious because Slovenians first they wanted to get out of it and they live quite well without Yugoslavia. Uh, but you had the feeling that there is, there is also, uh, a, that people have a problem about talking about these periods, not wanting to say something that sounds too nice towards Yugoslav period, that, it, that official history was that this was the bad time and then we created our own country. And So only recently, I also if you follow Slovenian literature, mm-hmm. I think in recent years you have some novels from authors to, Slightly older than me, that that uh, that can be described as a nostalgic. Mm. 
that are trying to write uh, very honestly about their memories of that period, about memories of the period before and after the independence, that are sort of disregarding this official history. Um, and uh, you have a feeling that enough time has passed that people are willing also to read them about it and to really just remembering the times without any political connotations. Mm. So hopefully we will start talking more because there are few very, very interesting stories, not just the good ones, also the bad ones, but very interesting stories surrounding this period, transition period uh, that are, I think haven't been discussed, not that, or that we had like a 10 days war in Slovenia, which is still full of unanswered questions, full of mysteries surrounding it. Um, of course, only recently we start writing, I all, I'm also writing about is this case of the erased people, mm. where in 92 Slovenian uh, government erased 25,000 people that didn't want to become Slovenian citizens, but wanted to keep living in Slovenia as Serbs, Bosnians, Croatians. Mm. And they were stripped of the uh, living, uh, I don't know how its expression is called, yeah, the, uh, the permit. permits. Oh, yeah, permits the permits uh, for, for living. And um, so they lost their job, they lost their insurance and stuff like that. It was uh, sort of a bureaucratic genocide. As mm. Um, so now it, all this topic um, emerged also in the literature and of course uh, mm. uh, we are willing to discuss about that period uh, much more. But for years I think we had a problem because we just didn't, to, we just like this myth about mm. um, our independence, um, about us. Uh, Mm. Uh, somehow running away from this dark period yeah. of this national history, which, and um, of course, um, this uh, was uh, uh, this uh, was uh, actually uh, was uh, was not allowing us to talk about Yugoslavia in a real interesting ways mm. like, like we wanted to see the history as black and white you have the ones that claiming that Yugoslavia was mm. almost as as off uh, Stalinistic as the Soviet Union mm. and the others that were like as a response to it start claiming that this was a socialist paradise mm. and Yugoslavia was a very complex and uh, system that was kept changing through the years. So it's very difficult to just say Yugoslavia was this and that because it very much depends on uh, which moment in history of Yugoslavia you focus to or which part of Yugoslavia you focus to. Mm. Um, and uh, people had very different experience of Yugoslavia. And I know if I sit down at the table, my mother-in-law and my father and my mother and start a conversation uh, about Yugoslavia, I would so soon end up as uh, as a police officer, keeping them apart because yeah. they have completely different visions of Yugoslavia, and because it's based on their own uh, 
Yeah, I mean, feelings, and with and certainly a community yeah, that that memories, the, but yeah, and a community that is um, uh, certainly where there's space to to have an ordinary life. As long as you didn't like want to be an activist or a politician, yeah, you so could you could have an ordinary life. Like yes, like of course, yourself. and it was enabled. Yugoslavia enabled you to have different experiences. Mm. Um, and my parents have this have have these great memories of mm. their life during the Yugoslav periods. They were young, they were studying, they were having fun, they had a lot of friends. Um, their families both um, sort of came out of poverty and start living a decent life. So uh, everything was working well for them and I felt Yugoslav. So uh, of course, and of at the same time, my mother-in-law kept saying that she didn't have a coffee or didn't have a milka chocolate and of course uh, she's going always back to that her family lost a lot of fortune after the war they, they they had a factory and they got and a lot of land that was just taken from them so of course uh, there was there were different experience but I think that we needed like if just 30 years just to start speaking about what we remember and f just openly, so say, okay, well, you remember nice things, you remember ugly things. It's everything. It's it's part of Yugoslavia. It's yeah. it's you have a feeling that it was forbidden for for people to just tell others what they remember. Mm. So when I was uh, about to publish my second book, I thought that. Nobody in Slovenia cares about this Yugoslavian topic and the war because it was not present in the media. And then suddenly the book came out and it was uh, well not as, uh, as successful as my first book, but still for Slovenian um, market, this was a huge bestseller. A lot of people were reading. You find, you find that on intimate level, of course, everybody was interested. Everybody has a f had a friend or family in Yugoslavia. Everybody was affected by this war and wanted to read about it so, and wanted also to talk about it. And then yeah. So it, it showed that we have a problem with our own past. And I'm, I'm, I was very happy when I read a few novels recently from Slovenia where I saw this new way of just writing about memories. And I think, you know, is this too nice or if this, this mm. is proper mm. am I picturing this uh, Yugoslavia too fondly if, if this you if is it this is this huge Yugo nostalgia mm. um, will I be blamed that I'm a socialist or something so uh, people just started to write what they remember yeah and I think that's that shows some that we did a great step forward because this is mm. necessary because if we don't talk we, we of course at the same time we have to realize memories are not they're constructs uh, of they're course. constructs but yeah. if we don't so say what we constructed in our heads then we cannot start the conversation no exactly and also uh by by basically bringing up what you remember and and to to write books about it or or to 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 create fiction that starts a dialogue and, and discussion uh you also bring up the 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 things that are suppressed because i mean the good examples are when we can talk about 
things and 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 remember stuff. But uh, in in many ways, the violence of the war uh, also creates a lot of silence and a lot of uh, exclusions. Uh, I mean, the whole uh, the whole war was was based on the idea that that there were aggressive identities that that some identities uh, simply had to be annihilated and uh, and to b and some memories has to be suppressed. Um, I'm thinking uh, you said something very beautiful in relation to um, uh, the memorial of Srebrenica. Uh, that uh, uh, some sorrow, something like some sorrows, have a half-life that is longer than a whole life, and uh, I mean this is this is like a, a a point of pain for for a lot of people that this is unspeakable things. Yes, um, that's very much true. Unfortunately, um, that in Balkans uh, it's. Uh, sometimes very much impossible to have a conversation because uh, there are so many victims mm. true and also some false victims of course but uh, everybody uh, is is a victim mm. and when you it's talking with the victim the somebody who's persuaded himself that he's the biggest uh, victim. It's basically it's impossible to reach him. I remember having a lot of conversation with my, my uncle, um, and he has this really tragic story. Uh, I somehow also inspired one of my characters when uh, he was the sole survivor of um, of uh, an attack on his village or uh, or a house or his during the Second World War, and he was just a boy, seven years uh, old, and uh, this um, Croatian fascists attacked his village and uh, killed basically all his family. And um, and he grew up, and um, he did quite well, uh, and he established, he married my aunt, and he, they have kids, and they they lived in Sarajevo, and then he had to run away from Sarajevo. He was a Serb, but of course they were shooting everyone, so he moved out. And he became a, a basically a huge supporter of Slobodan Milosevic. Mm. Um, he, and when you came to, to visit him, and uh, you were, of course, we coming from Slovenia, you, have a, you had a, a little bit different view. You have this at least a bit a view from outside of what's happening and he was trapped in this Milosevic's propaganda and uh, you were starting to have a conversation with him because he wanted to he was just he would just drag you into this conversation first my father and then mm. when I got older also me mm. um, and uh, he would start screaming uh, and, and then you would start to saying something and and, and, and at one point when you thought that you got him to listen to you, he would just go back to 43rd and say, they killed all my family. Yeah. yeah and I, it was <laughs> the end. And it was the end yeah. and you couldn't reach him. And, and, and he stayed, he actually died watching the, the, the Milosevic trial and yelling at uh, people, mm. the, the judges and the... Yeah. the 
uh, and everybody. Yeah. But then, at the same time, he was a very, very good man. He was, he, he was, uh, uh, he wanted, he never hurt anyone. He was, you can see that the, his, he had a very good heart, but, sure. but he was so trapped in his position of victims. And of course, he couldn't, this he was made to be served by this tragic experience and he could not be anything else. He could not distance himself from the Milosevic uh, regime. And, and uh, he said, okay, I'm a Serb, but I don't have anything to do with this guy. He didn't have the instrument inside himself to do this. So he was loyal and, 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 and he believed in this yeah. um, conspiracy of the world against the Serbs yeah. and how I mean I think it's very usual that that the, the, the for, for, for people especially the the ones traumatized by war are sort of trapped in their memories uh, and and are like sinking into a marsh of of identity that uh, very narrow identities uh, like 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 your uncle I, I I can tell you a brief story when I worked in Bosnia I met a guy. We were we were discussing building, rebuilding a, a, a bridge after the war, and um, and uh, there was an American, and they started to discuss, and and all of a sudden the the the, the Bosnian Serbian guy, um, he was a deputy mayor in a small municipality called Surbats, and he he said, uh, but don't accuse me. He screamed to the American. Uh, we were fighting at the Kosovo Poly in 1389. You know, and then the, the and everyone like, oh my god, and and then the Americans said, let's stay in the 20th century. <laughs> that's very American, a very Bosnian point of view. <laughs> and that, I mean, how you can be trapped in yeah. in, in um, well, in what I think what nationalistic uh, ideology uh, it's very good at it's that um, it, that it uh, makes it impossible for people to be let's say serbs mm. in different ways mm. uh, they say okay uh, if you are serb then you fought on kosovo polje against turks and you are proud of it that you lost <laughs> your and you are on and on, and you support, of course, and then you fight the Turks in Srebrenica, mm -hmm. and you're proud of it. So, uh, you cannot, they, they make it impossible for, as almost everyone, to be Serbian and not feel connected mm. to this myths, nationalistic myths, because uh, as soon as somebody says, okay, I don't, I'm against Milosevic, I'm against this genocide he, his politics committed. Uh, you're not Serb anymore. Mm. You're against Serbs. And, um, and this is what is really problem because at the same time people, uh, of course, even my father, which comes from very Yugoslav family, but feel they are Serbs. They, they feel that. And, and, and then they have a problem inside themselves huge problem how to distance themselves they don't know how to do it they don't they're not learned to distance themselves from serbs for the serb party because they're okay serbs are this this is now their government this is who they are and of course do you belong are you with them 
because on the other side there are just Muslims and Croats, yeah. which basically you you don't belong, and there's no in between. There's no place for anyone else. Nobody who finds who doesn't find himself in any of these three stories in Bosnia doesn't have a place there. Mm. Um, yeah, you have to subscribe to the yeah. whole mythology, even though it yes. crushes you yeah. in a way. I mean, that, and that's why I think also. Uh, why people in Sweden are a bit clueless about Peter Handke. I mean, he's, he's not a Serb, and uh, he, he hasn't he's been to, to Bosnia uh, before, like, like during the war, he's not traumatized. And, well, and yet he is, but in a very different way. Maybe, <laughs> yeah, maybe now, maybe. He has a Slovenian <laughs> mother, that's... Uh, that's True, true. That's quite uh, enough but uh, reason for But trouble. still, he's, he, he <laughs> subscribes more to the identity of being European intellectual. I mean, what, what is your view on, on, on Peter Handke uh, receiving the Nobel Prize? Well, uh, people here keep asking me that. Yeah, I know. <laughs> I, it's so irresistible. Uh, I have to. You don't have to answer. Can we talk about Olga, <laughs> Olga Tokarczuk? <laughs> Her books are great. Read yeah. Olga Tokarczuk. Yeah. Please. I mean, she's, uh, she's ho taken hostage. Yeah, yeah. for, for yeah. sure. She's, uh, she's actually... Uh, great injustice has been done to mm. her by rewarding Peter Huntke. I must say that this is my main problem with Peter Huntke and his Nobel Prize that now we all talk about Peter Huntke instead of talking about one of the greatest artists yeah. of, of our time. Um, but okay, of course, we have to talk about it. Why Why not? Give it well, Peter Huntke, um, I must say that um, I I found it very complicated these topics and uh, what uh, in the, the, the when I read a lot of articles the ones that made me the most furious was were the ones that just uh, made it sound easy like picking sides um, I wasn't able to force myself to read Peter Handke I was too young to read him before the war and after the war he was uh, Milosevic's supporter. I can't force myself to read somebody like that. I believe, I, I trust people who, who the, some people who say he's a genius writer. I remember watching um, Wim Wenders' film and loved him. I didn't know that he had anything to do with it. Didn't uh, pay attention at the time. Uh, and I'm also I'm also like at least uh, I'm, I'm also a fan of this idea of dividing the writer and his work. Um, I try to see, the, like, I try to not mix those up together. To so, in a way, I would like to believe that Peter Handke is a great writer and that Nobel Prize is just for literature, but. Unfortunately, one million euros or how much the money it is, it's not going to the who the, who the guy who is going to print his book, uh, but to himself to buy cigarettes and wine. Um, and I have a great problem of dividing because Peter Handke wrote about in support of Milosevic. He helped spread this story that my uncle, which we talked about, believed in. And uh, war in Yugoslavia was actually a war also, a media war, the war of stories, the war of myths. Uh, 
and uh, for me um, there is there has been not enough said about the influence of writers journalists who was who was helping create this conflict it wasn't just one uh, like um, i don't know side program mm. it was the main program that this war was happening on tv in newspaper and it was happened uh, and what was written there was these kind of stories that Handke believed in and uh, was helping spread around the stories that serbs are actually the victims the stories that the srebrenica is a lie or at least it's not that bad as it they made it look and um, these kind of stories i was hearing every year when i went to serbia on and on mm. and hantke was this prominent western writer who get uh, helped that story got credibility it's uh, it's not just us serbs you have different western intellectuals that know that the world is lying to you and i know how how much damage this story is done even after the war to the the, the Serbian community, to the Serbia? Mm. Uh, how much they, they these stories were forcing these people to live in a lie and trapped inside these stories and this myths? How how these people were not able to like move up, move on, mm. to face uh, everything what they did? How how difficult it was to dethrone the Milosevic and his regime. Um, and in the end, uh, these stories brought back Vucic. And uh, so Serbia is still, and the people in Serbia are still victims of those same stories. So um, it's, uh, I think the, I don't have a problem of uh, Peter Handke's book being translated. We are translating them now in Slovenia. We are putting his plays mm. on stage. Uh, I think that's fine, uh, but uh, what I have a problem with is that um, I have a feeling that with uh, by uh, giving him the Nobel Prize uh, award, we are also sending the signal like this: what happened is a thing of a past, mm. which is far, far from true. Because, as I said, uh, the war in Bosnia. And it's, uh, it's not over. Mm. Um, and he's himself fighting. Is, he's uh, fighting is finished, but uh, there's still ethnical cleansing going on. People are still in all the min minorities in Bosnia, no matter Serbian, um, Muslim, all the Croatian minorities in Bosnia are actually in the process of disappearing, in the process of leaving. The young people are leaving. They, they don't want to count uh, how many people live in Bosnia because they are afraid to have the official information how many people left in the recent mm. years. Uh, so this is still happening. Mm. Uh, and so this is, I think, uh, what made uh, so many people furious when they found out that uh, he got an award. Yeah, and it's also, I mean, to, to give him the award I mean, that's my personal reflection is that uh, y y y it's not literary uh, 
since uh, only since he immediately uh, says this is a justification for what I've written and what I've done and what I've said, and this is immediately then politicized by by uh, more nationalist forces in Belgrade, etc., etc. Yeah, so Vucic called him. So, to, so I think yeah. the same day, and yeah. they invited him to come to Serbia. And yeah. yeah, he didn't say I don't want anything to do with you. He said yes, I will come. Thank oh. you. Yeah. Um, well, as Alexander Hemon, who was much mm. more furious than me, wrote. Uh, it looks like uh, for Swedish Academy genocides come and go, and literature is forever. Mm. Yes, yeah, so I mean, and, the it's, uh, and yeah, it's it is something I deeply felt. I could understand that, of course, we want to 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 say that what he wrote is really, mm. really worth of praise. Mm. But I must say that. Um, I, I really thought that uh, one colleague of mine uh, from Slovenia, I think, wrote something that was that I really uh, felt it was really right thing to write. And he said, "How can we reevaluate uh, Handke's uh, literature now when we have this huge price hanging over it?" Um, it's it's. He said, he said it's just it's just wrong. It's why didn't they let us ourselves to discover Handke mm. again after so many years? To return to Handke mm. when we feel ready to return to Handke. Yeah. Um, why force us to go back to him now and to have this kind of conversation? Yeah, to, to, to I mean, I, I would say like this book, for example, all your books are political in the sense that they, they give voice to to stories unheard or to memories that should be highlighted and and brought into to to discussion and so uh by by br bringing him in you i mean to bring Peter Handke into the sort of main stage of world literature is also to suppress certain stories and to 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 say that he th these things are important some things uh indirectly Less so, uh, but I, I would we we have to wrap up. I'm afraid um, there's a lot of questions I, I would have liked to ask you, but um, I would like to end at least with with uh, your books and not not Peter Handke, <laughs> even though it's a very interesting subject, but it's also come somehow a bit depressing uh, that that we have to focus on. On, uh, on this Austrian guy, uh, I, I'd rather focus on this nice Slovenian guy. Uh, <laughs> and uh, uh, would would you perhaps uh, like to to read uh, a piece from from Figa just to to give us uh, mm -hmm. a sense of the rhythm and the, the language? Okay, so I'll read the beginning of the same passage that was read before, so you can compare. <laughs> and see if the translation <laughs> is all right. <laughs> Morda nam ni dano da bi razumeli svoje stare starše. Morda so leta med nami nepremostljiva razdalja in mi ne moramo doseči ostrin, ki se skrivajo za milino njihovega pogleda. Morda so se že davno pred našim rojstvom skrili pred nami, ki smo se rodili premladi, da bi razumeli. 
Morda ne moramo razumeti časa, ki jih naseljuje, ker ne poznamo tistega davnega mraza, nekdanjih sopar in meglic. Morda pa le ne želijo paziti, da v mest tudi mi odrastemo in se nam pozabijo predstaviti s polnimi imeni. Morda, mama mi je govorila, da se je dedah s časom spremenil, da se ga ona spominja tudi drugačnega. Ona je morda vedela, kdo je on, jaz pa sem le poslušal zgodbe in ugibal, a vedeti nisem mogel. Jaz sem si le zamišljal mlada Aleksandra in Jano, ko sta bila jezna, ko sta se smejala. Lahko sem le ugibal, čemu sta se smejala in kako sta se smejala takrat, nekoč. Človek se drugače smeje, ko je mlad, tako pravijo. Čas zadoši smeh, ga vtiša, pravijo. Boran Vojnovič, finne pleša talking to you. Tako, kako.